Welcome to the Productivity Show by Asian Efficiency, helping you do more and be better. And now here's your host, Zachary Sexton. You are tuned into the Productivity Show by Asian Efficiency. My name is Zachary Sexton, and today I have two very special guests with me. The first is founder of Asian Efficiency, Tan Pham. Welcome, Tan. Hey, Zach. It's good to be back on the podcast. Yeah, good to have you back. We're going to have to be doing a lot more of these in 2016. And and we also have my co-host as well as content manager here at Asian Efficiency, Mike Schmitz. Welcome, Mike. Hey, thanks. So it's January 4th. It's a few days after the new year. Many of you guys might have New Year's resolutions on the mind. It's kind of hard not to. There's probably a thousand and a half articles out there. Maybe people, if you're back in the office already, are talking about their New Year's resolutions. And well, you know, there's some bad news when it comes to that. The bad news is that 88% of New Year's resolutions fail. But we do have some good news here. Um, Yours don't have to. And there is an easy system you can set up to get results that you're looking for this year. And even the better news, we are going to talk about how we plan and look at uh, a new year as well as just plan and look at how we want to get results that we're looking to get in our lives. So each of us have a little bit of a different take. We actually have not discussed this beforehand. So I think I have a sense of what Mike and Tan have, but I actually don't know. Um, so we're going to dive into that. So who who wants to start? We've, we've all got our own methodologies and our own tactics for starting the new year. Tan, Mike, who wants to take the lead here? I guess I'll be brave enough to go first then. I thought you would. So yeah, I mean, we're into 2016 now, and most of us have probably set a New Year's resolution. And uh, I know, Zach, you mentioned before the call that you don't do any, which I'm really interested to hear about more. Uh, But I think what kind of makes it really nice to do is because it's a new year, it's kind of a nice marker in the sense that, okay, this is like an easy time of the year to sort of like start fresh, renew, and basically try again. Um, because like you mentioned, most most of the time New Year's resolutions don't work. And uh, if you've been making the same New Year's resolutions for a couple times in a row now, you know, there's, uh, there's probably a sign that says, hey, you know, you should probably change something to make this work. So I've been guilty of this myself. Um, for a couple of years, I had the same New Year's resolution. And I was like, okay, you know, I mean, at that time, I didn't call it the three times rule that we call it now. But, uh, you know, one of the things we teach here at AE is, okay, if something happens more than three times, it's probably a systemic error somewhere. So you want to fix the root cause so it doesn't happen again. And so if you have the same year, same New Year's resolutions like three times in a row, you know, there's probably something that needs to change. So I've been guilty of myself. I know tons of other people are feeling guilty about this. You know, if you are going through this process yourself, you know, don't don't feel bad. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of things when it comes to like building new habits and rituals is it's not something that we're taught. And so uh, hopefully with our discussion here, we can sort of like enlighten you a little bit and, and give you some pointers to, to help you get started. Is there anything specifically you want to know, Zach, or to discuss? Well, yeah. Do you, uh, you know, January 1st or the December 31st, do you do anything to say, this year I will X? Not really. <laughs> I don't know if that's the answer people want to hear, but it's, 
like I think you and I had this talk last week when we were talking about the annual review. Uh, I'm not very good at setting intentions for a year or even setting intentions for what I want to do coming up or focusing on one particular thing. Um, this is something I noticed personally. I, I, I'm, I'm very good at the opposite. I'm very good at analyzing what I did really well the past year and, and sort of summarizing that. But when it comes to like, okay, I want to make 2015 you know, the theme of this or the focus of this in 2016, I want to do this and 2017, I want to do that. Um, for me, that doesn't seem to work really well. And the main reason is because, and I don't want to sound like, like I'm sort of some sort of Superman or something, but there's always a lot of growth happening in my life uh, over random periods of time that it's really hard to say, okay, I really want to focus on this part because priorities shift quite a bit, right? Uh, a lot of priorities are based on, for example, uh, how Asian efficiency does and where that is going. Uh, and then I, I, you know, I focus on that quite a bit. And then my personal life is almost like, you know, non-existent in that sense, because it's pretty much tied to what Asian efficiency does. And so, um, so for example, for the last couple of years, I didn't actually focus so much on uh, like setting personal goals as much as I, as I'd like to. Because I've been just like so obsessed with, you know, just trying to grow Asian efficiency and my personal life takes almost like a backseat in that sense. And and as you guys know, I've talked like plenty of times how I have a really obsessive personality in the sense that, you know, once I get into something, it's like that's my main focus and like my personal life is almost like a shambles almost. And I'm just happy enough that my omnifocus is working and that I have, you know, a trusted system that I can use because if I didn't have that, I'd... I'd be lost, pretty much. Um, so that's sort of like my <laughs> short summary of it. But I would love to hear Mike's uh, take on all this. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much the opposite, <laughs> and I think a lot of that stems from the fact that I have a lot of dependents. Uh, I have a wife and four kids, where my time, if I'm not intentional with it, will be distracted to other things, which maybe are good things, but they're not the the best things going back to the Eisenhower box and that matrix with the four squares, like you have to make sure to carve out time for the things that are important, but aren't urgent. And when you have a lot of moving pieces, it's easy to respond to the things that are urgent, especially when you have uh, boys like I do who tend to injure themselves. <laughs> there are a lot of things that crop up that are extremely urgent um, and the important things can fall to the wayside. So for me, writing down my goals helps a lot because I need to get it in writing to make sure that I can carve out the time and space to actually move those things forward. And that is actually something that we've taught in the the rituals course about the the British Journal of Health Sciences, I believe, did that study where they showed that if you write your goals down, you're three times more likely to actually achieve them. That has been my experience uh, just because my days tend to be so full that I need to make sure on the front end when I'm planning, I'm carving out the, like I said, the space to do those things. And then at the end of the day, I can do the reflection. I can measure how I did and I can make adjustments at that point. But I can't just operate that way, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, you bring up a really good point, which I sometimes kind of forget. Uh, being somebody who lives alone for the most for the most part and is like very independent in that way, like I don't have any dependencies, right? So, literally, I can do almost whatever I want. Um, 
And so that gives me, in that sense, a lot of freedom to do what I want to do and focus on. Whereas I can understand from your situation when you have like kids and a wife and you have all the people depending on you, then yeah, that's a very different situation. Yeah. And the, the writing things down is extremely important too when you have the dependence, not just for yourself to make sure that you get everything done, you dot all the I's across all the T's. But one of my favorite things to talk about is the, uh, the two horse rule, the power of being in agreement, being in alignment. If you are just responding to what's happening, it's my experience that very rarely your significant other is responding and interpreting the same events the same way. So it just makes things so much easier when you have goals and you've thought about things ahead of time and you have them written down so that you can make sure that you're both pulling the same way and you're not fighting each other, even though it's usually not intentional. That's ultimately what ends up happening. And we should link to the, uh, the goals. Uh, you, you had an episode back uh, a, a few months ago about goal setting with your partner. Yep. And I'm wondering, and we'll, we'll link to that in the show notes. I'm wondering, do you take this time a year to actually uh, look through and look back and look forward and set those goals? Yes. Uh, and actually, one of the things that we try to do, and I think I mentioned it in that episode, is we chart out our yearly goals, but then we break them down into uh, quarterly goals based off of something that uh, Jeff Sanders mentioned on his podcast we've had on a couple times now. Uh, and then even from there, breaking it down into monthly themes. So we've also talked, there was an episode we did on uh, calendars. And Zach, I know you've used the the New Year calendar. We have one as well. And we find that theming our months, getting all of that stuff on that New Year calendar, which is a really easy way to see your entire year at a glance, you can make sure that you're following those themes and you're actually making the progress that you think you're making. Yeah, that's uh, that's exactly right. And yes, I did get a new New Year calendar, and that's spelled N E U. We framed it. And it's uh, it's in a very prominent position in our uh, <laughs> in our n- new apartment here in Austin, Texas. And the I guess the one thing, if Tan, if you were going to ask me what I do, uh, the one bit of planning I do is with the new year is to think of. Uh, to to frame what I want the theme of this new year to be. So Tan, I know you're good at looking back, and uh, and if people are on the on the Asian efficiency newsletter, they would have gotten your very well written post about how you look back on your journal and synthesize and decide what that year was in one word. So this last year, 2015, for you was decisions, and you've got four years. Uh, history of journaling and synthesizing that journal uh, after just a long weekend of, of reading all of those posts that you had from yourself. Um, but I do like to look forward and decide, okay, what, you know, what's the theme of this year going to be? And this is only the second year I've done it because I've only been, uh, had the new year for two years and I've only known Mike Vardy, who I stole the idea for, for two years. Um, but last year was, I was fit, um, fun and uh, conversation or talk. And, uh, and that was just to make it more and in- set more intention around, um, communicating better with the people in my life, including my family, my significant other, some of my friends and, uh, health was a, was a big priority there. And this year we set a, a bit of a different one. I think it might have something to do with in the dojo. We were reading the power of full engagement, but, um, I think both my girlfriend and I felt like we were 
uh, pushing really, really hard and not giving us any time to recover. So it's, um, it's push and recover as sort of our theme and, and how we look at it. But uh, Tan, like you said, I don't necessarily take this time of year to, uh, to, to think about what I want to have, have done and, or want to do. Um, maybe because I just don't want to be cliche, maybe because I haven't been successful in the past at it. Uh, but I do use my birthday as a time to look forward and think of what I want to have for this year or to do for this year. And I write it in a form of a journal. So similar to Tan, how you look back, I look forward in a sense that is a journal entry to me from the future. So I think, oh man, I'm so grateful for this last year. So I'm writing a year into the future. Uh, I've traveled to all these places. I've connected with the, all these people and, uh, you know, my, my personal cash flows here, my assets are here, my team, my customer, my partner. I think of all the things that I would like to bring into my life. And this is something that I review on nearly a daily basis. So I can always keep that top of mind. And then I look at uh, the different areas that I've, I've journaled and see if there's any area that could use some help. And uh, then from there, you know, I look what I'm trying to achieve that year and then I get specific on it. And I know this is something that we, I, I think is a big problem when it comes to New Year's resolutions is people don't get very specific. You know, you say, well, I want to make more money. And so, well, here's a dollar, you know, you, you just made more money. Or um, I want to, I want to, uh, you know, get, uh, get in good shape. And it's like, well, okay, maybe do five pushups every morning. You know, it's, if you don't get specific, you're not necessarily going to get the result that you're looking for. So I always try to get specific and, um, and figure out if there's something I can do every day, every week on a set schedule to get the results that I want. And I do it with rituals. Yeah. You bring up some good points. Um, like, if you're listening to this podcast episode, we've already released a bunch of videos at this point where we talk about like the top three mistakes that people make when it comes to habits. And this is really relevant to New Year's resolutions. And one of them, like you mentioned, Zach, is not being specific enough. And that's something we, we talk about over and over and over again in the rituals course. Because like, like you said, if you just say, well, I just want to lose weight or I want to make more money, then yeah, I could give you a dollar, which I think is, is a great example. And, you know, there you go. You just made some more money. Like, what does that actually mean? You know? Um, but I want to sort of circle back to the whole planning side of things um, because I find it very interesting. So we're sort of like all three of us are in a very different situation, right? So like, for example, I'm single. I'm going to be single for the rest of my life pretty much, I'm pretty sure. And nobody's going to love me forever. And uh, you guys, we love you, guys. you Tan. <laughs> we love you, Tan. But you, yeah, we can't get married and stuff, so that's not going to work. In a few states, we can. <laughs> we got, just got to move away from Texas. <laughs> but uh, you know, Zach, you have a girlfriend. Mike, you're married. You have kids. So I'm really like when I when it comes to planning, it's all me, right? It's just like me and my thoughts and no dependencies whatsoever. But obviously for you guys, it's different because, you know, you have a significant other. So I'm kind of curious to hear how you guys do that. Um, and maybe we can start with you, Mike. Like, how, how does the planning process sort of look like when, you know, January 1st comes around or even before then and, and stuff like that? Sure. Um, and actually, before we dive into that, I just want to make uh, an observation. You can tell me if this is accurate or if I'm way off base, but I think that the reason that you are able to not, you're able to get away with not being so specific with stating your goals and things like that is because you have developed 
from me knowing you anyways, I believe this is true, that you've developed the systems mindset that you mentioned at the beginning to recognize that when something negative happens, it after three times, like you said at the beginning of the episode, that it needs to be fixed. And so there are probably other people out there who could operate that way, but the trick is, and the reason why I can't do that is because I would fall into this camp. There's a lot of people who just get stuck doing things to keep them keep themselves busy. But just the fact that you're doing things doesn't mean that you're actually making any progress. You can be spinning your wheels and not actually going anywhere. Would you say that's accurate? That is accurate with the caveat that you know where you're going, right? So like <laughs> right. You, you, you can tweak all the systems or the mechanics of something all you want, but it, if it doesn't align with where you're trying to go, then it doesn't really matter, right? It's kind of like I could drive circles around a roundabout all the time and I feel great and busy and, you know, I could drive all day uh, and I could, you know, grease the wheels a little bit, you know, put an oil change after 50,000 miles and my car would still be great. But if I'm still driving around in circles efficiently, it doesn't really matter. Uh, <laughs> right. Whereas, you know, if I go to my destination where I really want to go, as long as I keep tweaking the systems and, and, and the mechanics of it to, to get me where I want to be, then, yeah, then that's perfect. And so I, I, I guess I don't want to say that or confuse people that I don't set goals because I do. Um, it's, not, it's just not with the intention of, okay, this is the whole year and this is what I'm really going to focus on because uh, a lot of my goals could be hit in either, you know, four weeks or even like less than eight weeks. And then I have to like move on to, to something else. Um, and so I can't really set goals for a whole year or even set a goal for a whole year and then break it down. Uh, Cause I just find my life to be a little bit more fluid than that. Yeah. Uh, but that might, ch- that might change when, you know, I have a family and all that stuff. Oh wait, no, no, no. I'm, I'm going to be <laughs> single for the rest of my life. Um, so yeah, in that case, it's, it's a little bit more fluid. Uh, I, I still know where I need to go, but I kind of have like the, like you said, like the reverse approach, like, okay, I can do all these little mini projects and, and systemically, you know, reach my goals that way. And then at the end of the year, I can summarize it very nicely. So, yeah. Yeah. Different. So you've, you've basically mastered, in my opinion, personal scrum where <laughs> you can just kind of ad- adapt as you go. You're still moving in the right direction, but you're really, really good at, um, setting new markers, adjusting those markers, and then moving towards those markers. Whereas uh, me personally, I need to have uh, a little bit more of a firmer stake in the ground in terms of where I want to go. Uh, and then I have to reference that a lot. And so like one of the things you'd ask me what I do personally, uh, what my wife and I do is we have meetings where we will identify what are our goals for this month or this quarter? And actually something we wanted to implement, I heard Mike Vardy talk about it the other day on a podcast. He called it, he has a meeting with with his wife, I think he does it every week, where they talk about uh, the meals that they're going to plan for the the next seven to 10 days. So food, uh, finances, and then family. So the calendar, you know, who's picking up who from school, stuff like that. So food, family, finances, and they call it the effing meeting. (laughs) So my wife and I want to implement something similar <laughs> where we maybe won't use that terminology, <laughs> but we will, uh, we will have a weekly meeting where we, we make sure that all of those things are planned out. Because as I've mentioned uh, in the past, like having those things written down, especially when you have kids, like it makes 
things so much easier. We have some picky eaters, but the moment we started writing down our, uh, our, our on our calendar, our schedule, basically what was good, what we were going to be having for dinner, people magically just started eating because they knew that there weren't any other options. This was written down. Like this is going to happen. We're going to have chicken and potatoes, whether you like it or not. So if you don't eat it, you're going to go hungry. (laughs) Uh, And that's really helped us personally. So um, going forward though, like I said, what we want to do is we want to actually have a meeting every week where we would carve out an hour of time to make sure that we have all of those little things uh, planned out so that we don't have to spend our time, our energy, our focus, our willpower, deciding those little things and instead be able to apply that towards the big things that are really going to move us towards our goals. So it's kind of like Scrum for family. In a way. Yeah. And, and actually, I think, Zach, you were the one who sent me the uh, TED Talk about the guy who applied Scrum to his family meeting. Um, and I'll find that. I'll put it in the show notes. But that was a really awesome video. There is a guy who gave a TED Talk specifically how his family implemented Scrum. And he uses some examples like uh, they have these guidelines or these rules where you're allowed, I think it was like five minutes of overreaction per sprint, if you want to use the Scrum terminology. Uh, And then after that, there was like a negative consequence. And so... He had, I think, three girls, and they would tend to get upset with each other. And so once they implemented this rule, uh, someone would get upset, and the other one would be like, overreaction, overreaction, and they'd start the timer, and then they would instantly stop. (laughs) So I'm excited (laughs) to implement that in my family. (laughs) (laughs) I, I would love to see this. And if we can make this like a mini course inside the dojo, I think that would be even more badass. (laughs) <laughs> scrum for parents i love it and what i really liked about that uh, i was the one who sent that to you and i've sent it to five or six people because it's like well i don't have kids yet but this is what i'm gonna do if uh if and when that ever happens um is is the continuous improvement too the the, the kaizen just what can we do to make this week better uh, rather I, I think so many people when it comes to, to parenting i know one thing that i would be very overwhelmed with. I've got a lot of friends who are who are popping out the babies these days and reading all of these books on what's the best method for for raising them. You know, how much attention do you need to give them? How much direction? How much guidance? Do you have them make the mistakes or do you just try to prevent them from ever getting hurt or harmed? Or I mean, you, you're older, you know better, all of these things. Rather than trying to come up with all of it up front is that you're coming up with it as a family. It's like, well, okay, this didn't work this last week. How can we improve upon it? And it, you'll you'll need to wait till your your kids are old enough to have that dialogue, or or maybe just help them have that conversation. But that I think it's a great way to add to the independence, and it gives them these tools that we're talking about right now that a lot of people don't have. It's just stopping, thinking, reflecting, planning into the future, uh, how you can make your actions better. And Tan, actually, as as you and Mike talk, I feel like possibly because I don't have a family as well, I'm a little bit more on your camp where my goals are not so firm, especially for long distances, because things change so rapidly. I mean, even just if you look at the you know, the internet and the the rapid onset of how things are changing in uh, as far as communication goes, all these tools that are coming out, um, all of these potential uh, 
um, ways of living and doing things. It just, even if you look in one little realm, things change so quickly that it's hard to identify what what could be on the horizon 12 months or or even 12 weeks from now. So um, I, I feel like that what I do with the uh, planning the year out is more aligned with a vision. I'm trying to create a vision for the year and know where I'm going so I can hit that mark. And you're asking what I do together with Nikita. And the, the only exercise we've taken the time to do, and we go back and revisit it, every, not in a, in a structured way, but just we revisit it every once in a while, is the perfect day exercise. So we took some time about a year, year and a half ago to write out what our ideal day was in detail. It's about three or 4,000 words. It's, it's very detailed. Uh, and when we just think, you know, are we getting closer to this or are we getting further away? And what are th- some things that we can do to make that happen? And when we, we decide something needs to change, we do get specific and we do take some action on it. But it's usually not three or four, six months worth of, of planning in advance. It's more of, all right, how can we set this up to be a part of our, our daily lives? How could it, we, we set it up to be a part of, um, of, of something that could eventually become an unconscious habit or ritual that, uh, that moves us in that direction that we don't have to rely on willpower and just, oh, okay, we got to you know, do this again <laughs> um, because it, we have such a, a deep understanding of why we want to go this direction. And if we can you know, automate it with uh, you know, a marker and a reward and, and have it be something that we do somewhat automatically, it makes things all the easier to get all of the other obligations that you got to get done every day, even if it's just grocery shopping, cleaning up the house, uh, walking the dog, uh, writing an article, teaching kids, whatever it happens to be, whatever your daily responsibilities happen to be, adding more things onto it is is often difficult. And I think that's a big reason why New Year's resolutions fail is because people don't think. They're like, okay, I got you know a pretty full life right now. Now I'm going to add this hour of exercise every single day. Well, where are you going to find that time? Where are you going to offset to do that? Because your day is already full. You're already doing things with all of your hours, you know, whether it's the best thing or the worst or, or whatever it is, you're already doing something with that time. So, um, being able to really appreciate what that change is and find a specific, uh, time for it and, uh, specific actions around what it's going to look like is, is something that we do on a shorter term basis. So I think kind of another reason why I poo poo the new year's resolutions. (laughs) Well, the other thing is like, and I've been really, as you as you know, Zach, I've been really into like studying cognitive biases and sort of like how the brain works and why we think a certain way or why certain decisions are made a certain way. And the underlying or one of the underlying problems with New Year's resolutions is that there's well, there's two things. One is uh, kind of like Parkinson's law, which states that you know it takes as much time as you give it to. So if you say, for example, this task is going to take eight hours, then if you give yourself eight hours to work on it, well, chances are it's going to take eight hours, right? But if you said it's only going to take two, you could probably finish it in two. So the more time you give something, uh, the more time it's usually it's going to take to actually finish it. And so with New Year's resolutions, if you say to yourself, well, this year... I'm going to get in shape or in this year, which is not even specific enough, but you get the idea. Um, then if you say that, you basically give yourself a whole year to to accomplish something, which is kind of like ridiculous when you really think about it. Because 
uh, a lot of those changes that you want to make can probably be done in be done in like less than 30 days or even quicker if you really you know take it seriously and, and, and get obsessed about it um, obviously you know there are exceptions and, and stuff like that but uh, like giving yourself a whole year to do something that's probably too much time for for most things and then the other thing is and this is kind of like a cognitive bias uh, as well is in the sense that you see other people doing New Year's resolutions, and then the one, like the point one percent that actually succeeds at it, you probably hear about. It. So, like uh, good examples, like all the fitness New Year's resolutions, uh, tons of people do them. You know, you'll you'll never hear from the people who failed at them, but you'll always see the people that succeeded at them, which might be the point one percent or even less that actually did it. And then you're like, see that person. You know, set a New Year's resolution and he made it work. So if he can do it, I can do it, which is, you know, inspirational in a good way. But also it's a cognitive bias in the sense that uh, it's the con- like the confirmation bias, I believe, that basically says, OK, if he did it, you know, it obviously works, which is not necessarily true because that person might be like the top point one percent of people who actually succeeded at it. Mm-hmm. So um, so that is kind of like problematic in that sense. Um, and it's kind of hard to really to overcome, and that's why I think it's good that we're having this discussion um, because, yeah, like it doesn't really work, but there's enough evidence for you to say to yourself it does work because you see like the minority example over and over and over. Yeah, it definitely tis the season for those uh, those infomercials. I was downstairs at um, my gym the other day, and those were, were going on, like the before and after pictures, and I'm sitting there working out just wishing the person who was watching the TV would turn it off because it's like, oh, man, this is... <laughs> This is just another roller coaster ride that uh, that you know a few million people are going to take, and then just be disappointed in themselves if it if it happens the same way it had uh, you know otherwise, and they're just sixty dollars <laughs> uh, light and uh, and nothing really to show for it. Yeah, it always amazes me um, when I because uh, I go to a, a gym near my house and like clockwork, like January second, the gym is full. You can't find a machine, and then by the beginning of February starts to thin out by the end of February, beginning of March, uh, the place is pretty much empty. <laughs> and so there's enough people there though, like Tan was saying that they appear to have mastered this process of setting new year's resolutions and actually getting in shape. But my experience has been, cause I've, I've been on both sides of it. I have, uh, committed new year's resolutions, committed to getting in shape and then fallen off the bandwagon. Uh, and then also the thing that kind of worked for me, and we talk about this uh, on the blog and in the rituals course, is the small actions. So it's developing those rituals of just getting to the gym and taking the one action. Like Zach, you mentioned earlier, it could just be like doing a handful of push-ups. But if you crease that into your brain, if you develop that ritual, those small actions compounded over time produce uh, astounding results. Yeah, and it's all about just cons- being consistent about it, like you said, Mike. And I think that's really what is missing because you can have all the intention and all the desire and all the willpower you want. And I think most people have that for some reason when January 1st comes around. But then, like you said, it just fizzles out after a while. And by, by the time, I mean, I'm even surprised February 1st might be, if there's still a lot of people at the gym by February 1st. 
those people have then, you know, a lot of willpower, which is great, but it just, it's not a sustainable thing. Like, it's just not sustainable, which is why new users' resolutions don't work. So you want to not just figure out, you know, uh, the whole desire aspect of it, which is just one part of it, but the other part is also just, okay, how can we develop a ritual or a system that will just make it very consistent for you to take action and do the right thing, right? So, for example, when it comes to, like, if if your New Year's resolution is to lose weight, one, you know, that's too vague, right? So you want to be more specific. Uh, two, what's the process or what, what are the mechanics or what is the ritual that you need to develop that will help you with that goal, right? So with losing weight, it could be, for example, something very specific is to go through go to the gym Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And if you want to get even more specific, it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 7 a.m. for 45 minutes. And if you want to get even more specific, it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 7 a.m. for 45 minutes. I'm going to do this 5 by 5 workout, right? And then that is as specific as you can get. Um, and you can then, you know, get even more specific around that ritual. So you could say, okay, if I want to be at the gym at 7, that means I need to leave at 645 that means I need to set a calendar appointment at 6.45, repeating every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and, you know, set an alarm uh, to wake up at 6 and, you know, make sure I eat breakfast before that. And then, you know, you can sort of like break it down and, and get very specific. And the more granular you are, the the higher the chance that you will, quote unquote, succeed at your New Year's resolution. Yep. And there's a lot of things that you can do to make that even easier, which we get into in the rituals course. Like you could actually have your gym bag packed and set by the door the night before. You could make it so that everything is in place so that when it's time to actually go to the gym, there's significantly less friction than if you just woke up, decided, oh, hey, that's right. I said I was going to go to the gym and now you have to get everything ready and you have to actually get in the car and go. Yeah. And one of the videos that we published is uh, where Zach talks about like the one key ritual that makes all of this work together. And which is which is journaling and something we have been focused on pretty much in the whole month of December. And I hope if you're listening that you joined us on the challenge and, and got your ritual going. Um, but yet, if you every day write in your journal and ask yourself, did I work out or, you know, did I do this that brought me closer to my New Year's resolution or your, your new ritual, then that keeps you accountable as well. And as long as you can be honest with yourself, which is, I know, not always the easiest thing to do, but if you can... Um, what, that's one of those other things that will help with like succeeding at whatever you, you want to develop. All right. Well, I think this has been a, a good conversation so far. I've learned a lot about um, how you guys think and plan. Mike, you go more for the goals and Tan, you go more for the vision. But the thing we agree on is that there needs to be a system for it. So if you guys want to learn more about the, the system that we've created for creating rituals in your life. We'll put that in the show notes. You can link there and there's going to be a webinar, a couple webinars over the next week that you can sign up and attend for. So if you just go to theproductivityshow.com forward slash 72 or theproductivityshow.com forward slash new years, we will uh, we'll put that link into the show notes as well as the, <laughs> the agile parenting and everything else we, we talked about and referenced here. So... Hopefully you're having a great new year. Look forward to joining you next Productive Monday and all the following Productive Mondays in 2016.